welcome to the Transformation Station, where your journey to a better life begins. Your hosts, Alex Sapala and Steve Kane, share quality, world-class material that fuels personal growth and transformation. Poignant, practical, and replicable, they will inspire you on your journey to living the life of your dreams. Let's drop into their conversation now. You know, some of my friends I find to be extremely persuasive, and I, I guess what makes them so persuasive initially to get me on board, I, I need to hear some enthusiasm. That kind of gets me interested. Mm. I find you to be a persuasive friend, but I'm thinking, you know, what are those other aspects behind that persuasion? You know, there's a there's a whole um, science around persuasion, and researchers have been studying the factors that influence us to say yes for over 60 years. And there's no doubt that the science on how we are persuaded, a lot of science that supports it, and I know one person I can think of off the top of my head, Dr. Cialdini, is a person that is uh, really heavily into this area and really supports a lot of how we make decisions. Yeah, I mean, because it would be nice to think that people would consider all the available information, I guess, in order to guide their thinking. But the reality is very often different, isn't it? Well, it is. Yeah, absolutely. And what I've researched and I've seen is that there are six areas which are seen as universal truth, which guide human behavior. Mm. And the areas and little shortcuts are around reciprocity. They're around scarcity. They're around authority, their consistency, their liking and their consensus. So there's right. a number of areas that if we understand them and employ them in an ethical manner, we can significantly increase the chances that someone will be persuaded by your next request. Mm. Because we understand that leadership is influence. The persuasion, ethical that, persuasion, is part of That's a big influence. part of it, isn't it? It is a huge part. Because we are leading people to do something that they may not have even thought about. And I think people want to know that they're being persuaded to do something that's worthwhile. Worthwhile, absolutely. That, that it actually has a meaning to it. That Nobody likes giving jobs or tasks to do where it's a, a nothing type thing. Absolutely. So the first principle that I want to talk about, principle of influence, is reciprocity. It's simply put, people are obliged to give back to others in the form of either a behavior, a gift, or a service that they've received first. Now, mm. we might call this sowing and reaping. Yeah, giving uh, and receiving. Giving and receiving, right? So if a friend invites you to their party, there's an obligation that you invite them to a future party that you're hosting. If a colleague does you a favor, then you owe that colleague a favor. And in the context of the social obligation, people are more likely to say yes to those who they owe. Yeah, that's interesting. You do feel an obligation, don't you, mm. when your friends have done something for you. Say, for example, you go out at lunchtime and one time your colleague shouts you to lunch and the next time you feel like, hey, it's my turn to start chipping in. It's my turn to shout lunch. Right, and you do feel that obligation. And the other person may not have done it from a point of view of a, of a future obligation. So one of the best demonstrations of the principle of reciprocity comes from a series of studies that were conducted in restaurants. Think about the last time you visited a restaurant. There's a good chance that the waiter or the waitress will have given you a gift just before they've given you the bill. Probably around the same time or just prior to. Maybe it was a liqueur or perhaps a, a little cookie. If you go to a Chinese restaurant, it might have been a fortune cookie or perhaps a little mint. 
right, prior to. I've also noticed here in Australia of a real nice conversation just to check in on you, how yeah. you're going to enjoy you it, a little bit of get to know you, and then yep. they bring the bill. Here's the bill, right? Yeah. So here's the question. Does the giving of a mint or a cookie have any influence over how much tip you're going to leave them? Now, most people will say no, but that mint can make a surprising difference. In the study, giving diners a single mint at the end of their meal typically increased tips by around 3%. Yeah, that's that's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, imagine if the gift is doubled and two mints are provided. Yeah. Tips don't, the tips don't actually double, but they quadruple, a 14% increase in the tip. Are you kidding me? That's what the study reveals. That's that's fascinating. Right. But perhaps most interesting of all is the fact that if the waiter provides one mint, it starts to walk away from the table, it pauses and turns back and says, ah, let me give you some extra mints. What would happen there? Absolutely. And I, a great example of that was on the weekend. We were at a conference and there was a particular waiter there, uh, Raphael, his name was, and it was it was fabulous, the way that he dealt with the children and the children's requests and everything else. Fantastic. So slipped him a little bit extra that wasn't he wasn't expecting. Hmm. The expectation from the waiter, they're working on a tip basis. That's where their service level improves. Mm. And you find that you get sometimes we get better service outside of Australia than we do inside Australia because in other parts of the country, they're not on a base wage. They're working on tips. Tips, yeah. And their, their service level depends on how much they get to eat as well. Alex, if, you, if, you, um, if he turns, gives you a mint, walks away, and then the there waiter was a turns back and says, hey, you're a nice guy, right. you're a nice person, you know. Yep. For you nice people, let me give you an extra mint, let me let me do an extra mint for you, or here's something extra for the kids, then the tip goes through the roof. There's a 23% increase. So, mate, you go from a 3% increase to a 23% just yep. by doing small changes. That's huge. That's all it takes. But right. this is the whole point of reciprocity because you now feel that you're obliged to give something in return for what that person's done. Mm. So the key to using the principle of reciprocity is be the first to give and to ensure that what you give is personalised and unexpected. That's one way of influencing. Now, there's another way too, isn't there? So the second universal principle of persuasion is scarcity. And simply put, people want more of those that they can have less of. When British Airways announced in 2003 that they were no longer operating twice daily London to New York Concorde flights because it had become uneconomical to run, sales the very next day took off. Nothing had changed about the Concorde itself. It certainly didn't fly any faster, the service didn't suddenly get better and the, air, and the airfare didn't drop. It simply became a scarce resource. And as a result, people wanted it more. So when it comes to effectively persuading others using the scarcity principle, the science is clear. It's not enough simply to tell people about the benefits that they'll gain. If they choose your product or service, you also need to point out what is unique about your proposition and what they stand to lose if they fail to consider your proposal. Now, I was listening to something this morning and I was talking about this very thing around scarcity where, again, Dr. Cialdini's students did a, a university prac, right? There was this particular meat company, and this meat company wanted to increase sales. So what they tried to do was to go and, and, and sell all the benefits of eating this particular beef. The increase in sales 
when we're talking about benefits, you know, the whole benefit thing, you'll you'll be much healthier and there's less fat and all this sort of stuff. And all the benefits of the beef itself, there was a minuscule increase in the sales volume, right? It wasn't even – it was negligible. So the student said, I want to use the scarcity principle. We're going to tell people that this beef, because of how good it is, it's, we already can't fulfill the orders. And we're getting to a point where there's going to be nothing left. Now, if you don't get in now, you're going to miss out altogether. Now, the important thing that they that made the key difference was that no one else in the market knows about this scarcity except you. Act now. Yeah. Sales went up sixfold. I noticed that a lot of people in sales use this scarcity, scarcity. thing. There's yep. only so many seats left. That's right. Get on now before you miss out. You don't miss out. Right. Now's the time. Exactly. Yeah. That's the scarcity principle. The other principle of influence that is incredible is the principle of authority. And this is the idea that people follow the lead of credible, knowledgeable experts. Physiotherapists, for example, are able to persuade more of their patients to comply with recommended exercise program if they display their medical diplomas on the walls of their consulting rooms. People are more likely to give change for a parking meter to a complete stranger if that requester wears a uniform rather than casual clothes. Mm. So there's this authority figure that we've placed in our minds that if a person in uniform asks for something, we will give to them before we'll do that to someone who's just wearing shorts and T-shirt, for instance. Because, you're, yeah, you're often wondering, oh, what does this person know that I don't know? Right, exactly. And if they give that impression that they do know something, you're yep. more likely to be... Persuaded. Persuaded, absolutely. So what the science is telling us is that it's important to signal to others what makes you credible, what makes you knowledgeable, a knowledgeable authority before you make your influence attempt. Of course, this can present a problem as, as well because you can hardly go around telling potential customers how brilliant you are, but you can certainly arrange for someone to do it for you. Surprisingly, the science tells us that it doesn't seem to matter if the person who introduces you is not only connected to you, but also likely to prosper from the introduction themselves. So we have someone else telling someone how good we are or what, how knowledgeable we are or what we have. So then we're placed in authority. We had a recent thing with that, didn't we? We and, did. And, and it's, been, it's been a fabulous thing. So you know, in the study, one group of real estate agents was able to increase both the number of property appraisals and the number of subsequent contracts that they wrote by arranging for reception staff who answered customer inquiries to first mention their colleagues' credentials and expertise. So it's like, I'm going to put you through to Steve. Steve is, you know, he's got 30 years experience in real estate here in this area. There's no one better than him and he's free right now. Let me connect you to him. Boom. You've created this authority by that person and you on the other end of the phone are going, oh, wow, I better listen in on this guy because he's an expert. Yes. Okay, so the important thing is we need to do this with integrity. We need to do this right and not conflate things and make things bigger than what they need to be or, or lie about things. We need to be truthful about what we say. I really like the fact that you brought in integrity because some people use this principle and throw integrity totally out of the window. Right. And in the world of real estate, that can happen also. But and nobody so, likes knowing later that they You've been lied duped. to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So 
Customers that are interested in letting a property were told lettings. Late. Let me connect you with Sandra, who has over 15 years experience letting properties in this area. Customers who wanted more information about selling properties were told speak to Peter. Or he's our head of sales. He's got over 20 years experience selling properties. I'll put you through right now. So this created an authority that you would then connect to and listen to. The impact of this expert introduction led to a 20% rise in the number of appointments and 15% increase in the number of signed contracts. Not bad for a small change in the form of persuasion science that was both ethical and costless to implement. Mm. It didn't cost the receptionist anymore. It just gave her a different track. It probably influenced the receptionist as well because now she's seeing this person in a different light, not, not like, oh, let me just put you through to Steve. It's, oh, Steve's an expert in this area. He's been doing this for so long, but let me put you through. He's free right now. Let me let me connect you. So she would have been saying it and her opinion of him would have also been persuaded. So it works on all areas. It's not just the person on the other end of the phone that gets persuaded. I love how practical this persuasion is, and it's actually quite simple when you think about it, but it's the psychology behind it and how we like to make decisions. What else have we got there in that area? One of the key principles around persuasion is consistency. People like to be consistent with things that they've previously said or done. Now, consistency is actually activated by looking for and asking for small initial commitments that can be made. In one famous set of studies, researchers found, unsurprisingly, that very few people would be willing to erect an unsightly wooden billboard in the front of their lawn to support a drive safety campaign for their neighbourhood. However, a similar neighbourhood close by, four times as many homeowners indicated that they would be willing to erect this unsightly billboard. Why? Ten days previously, they had agreed to place a small postcard in their front window of their homes that signaled their support for a drive safety campaign. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Right? So that small card conditioned that small, them. Yeah, that small card was a pre-commitment, pre-commitment. to a larger commitment. Exactly right. Yeah. So that small card was the initial commitment that led to 400% increase in a much bigger but but still consistent change. So when seeking to influence using the consistency principle, the detective of influence looks for voluntary, active and public commitments and ideally gets those commitments in writing. Another example is one recent study reduced missed appointments at health centres by 18% simply by asking the patient rather than the staff, to write down the appointment details of the future appointment card. So that act of writing the appointment of when it is by you has actually increased, has actually connected it to your mind, and that's you've influenced yourself. Increased the buy-in. And it's increased the buy-in and the remembrance of that you're coming back for an appointment because you've made the commitment, they haven't. Right. The fifth principle is talking about the principle of liking. People prefer to say yes to those that they like. We know that, I remember many years ago, there was a, an ethos that was, that was going around, still around today. People will only buy from those they know, like, and trust. So the principle of liking is a truism. What causes one person to like another? Persuasion science tells us that there are three important factors. We like people who are similar to us. We like people who pay us compliments. And we like people who cooperate with us towards mutual goals. 
As more and more of the interactions that we are having take place online, it might be worth asking whether these factors can be employed effectively, let's say in an online negotiation. In a series of negotiation studies carried out between MBA students at two well-known business schools, some groups were told time is money. Get straight down to business. In this group, 55% were able to come to an agreement. Now, a second group, however, was told, before you begin negotiating, exchange some personal information with each other. Identify a similarity that you share in common, then begin negotiating. Interestingly, though, in this group, 90% of them were able to come to a successful and agreeable outcome that were typically worth 18% to both parties. So we've gone from 50% or 55% to 90%. To 90%. That's amazing. Just by sharing something personal. So what's happened is that personal, again, what I said before, people will buy from those they know, like, and trust. Yeah. So just by sharing something about yourself personally before you even commence a negotiation builds that force, okay, now I like something, we've got something in common, and we talk about when we talk about helping people communicate more effectively, find some common ground. That it's, le- it's, a place, it's, it's, it's a leverage. Yeah, leveraged it up 35%. Magnificent. That's a huge change. So to harness this powerful principle of liking, be sure to look for areas of similarity that you share with others and genuine compliments that you can give before you get down to business. Yeah. And the final principle is consensus. When there are uncertainties, people will look to the actions and behaviours of others to determine their own. It's the mob mentality we're talking about here. You may notice that hotels often place a small card in the bathroom that attempts to persuade guests to reuse their towels and linen. Funny thing is I read those every time. I know exactly what they're doing. Now, at a hotel while staying out at the weekend, they put this card at your entry to your door and saying, oh, you know, you can earn some points if you reuse your towels. So that is about getting attention to the benefits that reuse can have on our environment and protection. It turns out that this is a pretty effective strategy, leading to around 35% compliance. But could there be an even more effective way? It turns out that about 75% of people who check into a hotel for four nights or longer will reuse their towel at some point during their stay. So what would happen if we took a lesson from the principle of consensus and simply included that information on the cards and said now that 75% of our guests reuse their towels at some time during their stay, so please do so as well. It turns out that when we do this, towel reuse rose by 26%. Yeah, quite significant, isn't it? Consensus, because the people don't want to be the ones on the outer. Exactly. I don't want to be the ones that are not doing the right thing. That's right. So, According to everyone else. According to everybody else. 75% of everyone else, right? So now imagine the next time you stay in a hotel, you saw one of these signs. You picked it up and you read the following message. 75% of people who have stayed in this room have reused their towel. What would you think? Well, here's what you might think. I hope they're not the same towels. (laughs) (laughs) And like most people, you'd probably think that this sign will have no influence over your behavior whatsoever. But it turns out that changing just a few words on a sign to 
honestly point out what comparable previous guests have done was the single most effective message leading to a 33% increase in reuse. The science is telling us that rather than relying on our own ability to persuade others, we can point to what many others are already doing, especially many similar others. So there we have it, six scientifically validated principles of persuasion that provide for a small practical, often costless change that can lead to big differences in your ability to influence and persuade others in an entirely ethical way. They are the secrets from the science of persuasion. It's interesting when we went through those six principles, reciprocity, scarcity, authority, consistency, liking and consensus, that it brings things to mind that you've experienced yourself but it makes so much sense and it's some things that each of us do look for when we are wanting to be persuaded and when we step into that it makes a huge difference absolutely alex thanks for sharing that i really appreciate it and if you would like to know more and would like to have some help in developing your persuasive influence contact designedalliance.com.au thanks for listening to the transformation station podcast if you found our content valuable, you can subscribe and give us a five-star review so others can benefit from the content too. All our episodes and other valuable transformation information can be found at our website, transformationstation.com.au.